Bank of Clark County is making it easy to give to local charities. We're featuring a different one at each of our Bank of Clark County locations. To find out how you can support their good work, visit our website at www.bankofclark.bank or follow us on our social media channels and the hashtag GiveWithBOCC. Bank of Clark County. Member FDIC. Welcome to Mouth Off, a podcast for and about marginalized groups. My name is Clary Sadler. Episodes cover a wide range of topics from gender and sexuality to religion and race. On today's episode, I'm interviewing Yvonne Kanicki. Yvonne is an ethnographer and film curator specializing in black independent film. She was the founder of the Black Film Festival Wales and is a founding member and chair of the New Black Film Collective, as well as being an assistant curator for Black London Film Heritage. Yvonne has toured Black Britain on Film with the Independent Cinema Office and continues to work as a project manager and curator for Charlie Phillips Photography. She's also a PhD candidate at the University of South Wales, exploring leisure activities of the Windrush Caribbeans in Butetown, Cardiff. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on the podcast. I actually um, came across you via the Creative Practitioner page on Facebook, you know, for the Arts Council of Wales Lead Creative School Project. Yeah, I was just looking for something a little bit different. We've done, we've had a lot of guests on talking about things like music, drama, songwriting, and not really film, which is um, an an area that I'm interested in. Although I don't know if you know Kyle Legal. He's fantastic. He's done an interview. He was talking about his sort of animation projects and the various things he's done. He's done so much, hasn't he? So. Excellent. Well, thanks for coming on. So for any of our listeners that, that might be unfamiliar with the world of ethnography and film creating and, well, whatever else you do, describe yourself in a nutshell. Um, well, I think by trade I'm a programmer, a film programmer. Um, I started the Black Film Festival Wales in 2000. Zero Oscar 6, go ahead. Zero Oscar 5, 5 and Zero Oscar 5. Target vehicle just passed through. Should be with you in about a minute. My views towards the police skin was always, I hated them. The ones that think they can use their power to intimidate you just because they've got that uniform. And do you know what? You don't intimidate me. 29-year-old Mark Duggan was shot by police in Tottenham. His death sparked riots which spread across the country. Mark's not that guy that has shootouts. And he was just trying to find a way out, just like everybody is. And, um really put together the first festival that was interested in and focused on black filmmaking that was happening in Wales or by black filmmakers who had um, a Welsh ancestry, you know, family from Wales, but they may not live in Wales themselves. Um, And um, after that, I just continued to programme film. I worked with lots of different organisations. Black London Film Heritage was a a curating um, opportunity I had where we curated the first sort of digital compilation of the black presence in London. 
yeah. uh, from 1911 to about 1990. Um, and I've continued to work for different film festivals and different organisations, the ICO, BFI, um, uh, black-led organisations like the New Black um, Film Collective. Um, and more recently, in the last few years, I started uh, another organisation that is Wales-based called Cinema Ganao, which is basically another platform for, mm-hmm. again, black filmmakers from Wales to be able to screen their films or to screen black independent film um, from, well, just from everywhere, from Britain and, and um, internationally as well. And also to promote the work that's coming out of Wales. I can't say that I have family to leave behind necessarily. My mother died when I was 13. And not too long after that, my father abandoned all of me. Nine of us. My entire life seemed to change. What's your name? Kofi Mensa. Kofi Mensa? Yeah, yes sir. Alwick Cross. Since I was a little boy, all I ever wanted to do was become a pilot. Flying officer Albert Cross. And now I'm actually here at the area, signing yeah. up. Let's just go and kill Hitler. I don't know why you came back to this country. There's nothing here for you. They've been using us. Their men died and they called us. You think they want us here? Come, let's go. <laughs> Help me leave England. <laughs> There's somebody that I want you to meet. This is Mr. C.L.I. James. Mr. George Padmore. This young man. Mm. Ulrich Cross. Mm. We need him. The CIA, the MI6, the intelligence services, you have to understand. Building a movement is not easy, Mr. Cross. Fantastic. So I was reading a little bit about the um, the National Museum Cardiff and Artist Monday yeah, sort sure. of festival of events. Uh, could you tell us a bit more about Pitch Black? So um, um, as you probably know, Amlaka Mohammed um, uh, is the lead for Pitch Black Late or Late Pitch Black. Um, and that's by artists. That's part of our Artist Monday. And they put a call out for emerging black filmmakers to send in a proposal for a film that they'd like to make for the museum. And at the time it was the Windrush scandal, as you know, is is a big thing within the Caribbean community. Um, For people who don't know anything about the scandal, it is literally um, the fact that a lot of um, particularly older people who came here um, with their parents in the 60s, but may have come on their parents' passports, have gone to apply for their own passport and identity and found that they couldn't get a passport because Theresa May had um, ordered for all of their landing passes, which which would have been documentation that proved that they came here as British system. She... uh, um, ordered for that um, information to be um, burnt or thrown away. So it's all thrown away. So there's no evidence to prove that they were British citizens. So they then became 
illegal immigrants. And these are people who may have um, lived here for 50 years, uh, worked, went to school, paid taxes, got professional jobs, mm. suddenly found themselves in a situation where they were no longer, uh, it was no longer legal for them to work. It was no longer illegal for them to get any health care, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. A lot of these people were detained in detention centres and many were sent back to a country that they um, hadn't been to since they were like five years old or, um, you know, any some things or well, things like that. Yeah. So that scandal is something that still hasn't quite been fixed yet. They say it has, but they're still quietly deporting people to this mm-hmm. day. So um, I picked that particular moment to say that, you know, this is a moment when, you know, people may have had really wonderful dreams, if you like, of why they would come to England and what England would mean to them. And that has turned into a a nightmare. So I decided I'd like to make a film, which is a bit of a love letter to them, really. And I called it A Time for New Dreams, because it is actually a time for generations of, of, of Caribbean people to really create a new dream for themselves. But the film really is a bit of a mashup of all different types of dreams, you know, actual dreams that people have when they're asleep, ambitions they may have. Um, thoughts, uh, you know, dreams they may have for the future. Um, but it's all of the voices are Caribbean voices, all intergeneration, um, all from 80 um, to, well, I think, well, the, the little girl who carries the narrative is six years old. So, right. Wow, sounds fantastic. It's a nice film. It's a nice little film. Hilangoli Rider, Hilangoli. Hilangoli rider, Hilangoli. I took my horse and come down. Hilangoli, put the half down, tumble down. Hilangoli, all the moon shone bright down. Hilangoli, I don't place the idol dipping down. Hilangoli. We are not gonna laugh. Hey, the night when John dead. Hilangoli, all the moon shone bright down. Hilangoli. You've got a, a wide range of expertise there. Wh- where do you sort of first and foremost consider your skills to lie? You know, is it is it cultural sociology, film film creating, programming, or, or are they all sort of interchangeable to you now? Um, well, it, they all blend, but really film programming is my skill, if you like. I mean, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm programming at the moment for an International Caribbean Windrush Film Festival. Um, and I'll always be interested, I think, in what people are doing and what people are making and what new films are coming out and what films are coming out under the radar by independent filmmakers that may not have had an international platform but are making interesting work or new work. Yeah. I think that's always going to be a, a, a sort of prime interest to me. Um, I do enjoy following the career of filmmakers that I you kind of get a feeling that they're going to be brilliant. Yeah. And then it's really nice to actually watch their career and then see them become brilliant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or everybody else in find discover that they are as brilliant as I've always thought they were. Everything is concentrated on the razor's edge. And you forget the score. You forget where you are. I feel that my body's floating within myself. Arthur Ashe, bright young member of the United States Davis Cup team. Some people think we are all brawn and no brains, and I like to fight the myth. He started becoming a citizen of the world. Arthur Ashe, 
first black player to win the men's Wimbledon singles title. He had evolved from someone who was analytical to someone who became more about direct action. AIDS became another fight for Arthur, and he picked it up like he did every other cause. He never forgot about his race, and when I say his race, I'm talking about the human race. Uh, so if you could talk a bit about how your work may have changed, or, or perhaps it's just been fueled all the more, I don't know, by the Black Lives Matter movement, which you know swept around the world in recent months. Mm. And, and I think, I don't know, one of the most important demands that has been voiced is that we all, I guess, question the structures and practices that, you know, reproduced power relationships that are rooted in histories of racism, really, and colonialism and that sort of thing. Yeah. I, I imagine you've probably always done this or looked at this or wanted to sort of shine a light on this in your work. So... Has it changed any of the way that you work or just reinforced things you were already doing? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's, it's you know, everything goes in a circle, you know, it's all circular. And um, for me, when I started working in the sort of 80s, late 80s, the riots were happening then. There were riots all around the UK and it was out of the frustration of how um, black people were being treated by the police. Mm. And if you think about it, the Black Lives Matter movement is not that much different. It is really out of the frustration of how institutions treat black people. Mm. So it's only, um, if you like, the newer, a younger generation being aware that they're very frustrated about the way black people are being taught, uh, um, treat, treated, um, whether it's uh, police brutality, which we knew was coming anyway with the situation with Mark Duggan, which yeah. happened in around 2011. You know, there was that murmur already mm. uh, of, of rioting, but because it wasn't exclusively black people, people didn't really take it um, yeah. as seriously as they should have. Um, and, um, and of course, now we've seen that it's become like an international kind of um, thing. But I think really it's just for institutions to kind of become very aware and really catch up with what they need to do to support um, people of colour and also their recognition of what racism is because a lot of people don't know. They don't understand racism. Mm. It doesn't happen to them. Yeah. Uh, and, and they don't know what the fuss is all about. Yeah. You know, they don't understand racism. It's, it's really that simple. And it's, it's very difficult sometimes to constantly be trying to make people understand how it feels to be racially discriminated against mm. or why you have to continually bring this issue of race up and have it discussed in a very open uh, forum and um, for people to really um, appreciate the adjustments and the kind of changes they have to make within their institutions. And many institutions don't really want to change. You know, mm. they're quite happy for white men to run um, these spaces. You know, they're people they're comfortable with. They go to the go for drinks with them after work. They nurture other young um, white men and it's comfortable mm. and then of course you know they have to learn about intersectionally a whole intersectional uh, reality with that as well that you know sometimes you can be being particularly racist 
and sexist towards a black woman and mm. not take that on board. But, mm. you know, you still get on terribly well with a young black guy because he can go to the bar with you and that lady has to maybe go home and look after her children or do whatever it is she, she wants to do. Or maybe she doesn't want to be in the bar yeah. uh, with a crowd of guys, you know? <laughs> so it's those kinds of things that, you know, need to be taken into consideration, you know? And then, you know, intersectionality can mean so many other things, you know? Is, is that person gay? Is that person trans? You know, all of those kind of things need to be rethought and, you know, it's about people just doing the work, isn't it, really? Definitely. And I think I think you're right. It, you know, people, someone from a, a place of privilege, you know, and I, I'm very aware as I'm um, sort of doing this interview that I am a white middle class woman. Um, I am a gay woman, so I, I like to think that I, I in some way can empathise. But it is very difficult, like you said, mm. to ask someone that, that just doesn't understand and maybe is thinking what's the big deal because they cannot put themselves in that position having always had this, this position of yeah, privilege and you know I think it's so brilliant like I, I said to you I had uh, Kyle Legal on yeah. last month and he he um, mentioned I was shocked to hear that the subject of the Cardiff race riots isn't taught in schools isn't taught in schools in Cardiff or Wales you know it's like you know, Wales just wants to erase this shameful part of history. And, I mean, I think, you know, Kyle was saying himself, it's so important, particularly for new generations that might not be, you know, it, it's not as bad now as it was in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s, but they need to hear these stories. And how, how important do you think it is, or what do you think schools should be doing in order to ensure these stories are told? Um, I think for a start, that is the interesting thing about the Cardiff race riots is the fact that it happened, you know, when it happened. Mm. Because it says something else. It says that there was a black presence in Wales a very long time ago. Yeah. And I think that in itself is really important because, number one, if you live outside of Wales and you are a person of colour, people think you're a bit exotic. You know, they can't say, oh, are there black people in Wales? And the irony is is that not only are there black people in Wales, but there has been communities of black people in Wales for longer than it ha there have been in many other places, you know, excluding places like Liverpool, of course, which have also uh, got a very um, uh, long um, history of a black presence. Yeah. So I think those things are very important. I mean, the, the difference between us and Liverpool is that the Liverpool, uh, Liverpool has the Slavery Museum, so that at least they are uh, taking some responsibility for their history and for their past. Mm -hmm. But I think Wales has to understand and start taking, res um, taking responsibility and embracing uh, their, their history and their past because it is very rich and it's very, very interesting to mm -hmm. actually... Um, go back and look at Wales from that perspective. Very, very interested indeed. So yeah, I think I think that you know I don't think it's just a question of it being something we should do out of responsibility, but from a culture from a, to have a rich and interesting and diverse culture which we have, we want to make that known. We should be proud of that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, how often do you say that you draw on your own personal experiences? to inspire your work or the programmes that you, you know, put on? Everything yeah. is. I don't think I've ever done anything that isn't. Mm. I don't think people even talk to me for any other reason by, 
besides um, uh, the fact that I am black and I am Welsh, I'm from Wales. Yeah. And I haven't lived in Wales for maybe 35 years. Yeah. But it doesn't seem to make any difference. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's everything that I do always takes you uh, on that journey. Yeah. And what has been your biggest barrier, I guess, at, you know, progressing within your profession and how have you overcome it? Uh, I don't really, I don't know what my biggest barrier is. I think the, the interesting thing about racism is that it changes. It's very subtle. So you, you don't know if it's racism as such. Mm you know, as, 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 I mean, it is racism, but like I said, because it's very subtle, you Mm. know, you never, you watch your white counterparts go up the ladder of success Mm. in a particular way. And you watch your black counterparts make progress, but in a particular way. And the difference is that the white, your white counterparts will get jobs within institutions that support their creativity and their art, and they will get permanent posts. Mm. You will get freelance posts for a month, two months, six months, and that is your lot. So yeah. that is the difference. I can't. I can only tell you that that is the difference. Is that you'll very, very rarely see any organisation make a real commitment towards having people of colour by perhaps having a department that really looks in and focuses on race and racism, or ensures that there is. When I say diversity, I mean like visible diversity. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? There's real diversity. You know, there's, there's, I don't know any organisations that I work with that I can say have made a huge, maybe one or two, but in general, no. You know, you don't go there and see lots of black people working there, mm-hmm. you know, um, and you don't expect to, which is the thing that's quite sad. Um, And I'd like to think that this is a time when things like that will change, when you'll start seeing them bringing on people who are real experts in their field and they've given them permanent posts Mm -hmm. and they're there for years and they make this huge difference to the whole kind of, you know, they they and others are able to make a huge difference to the dynamic of that organisation. That's what I'd like to see. I haven't seen that yet. I mean, yeah. I don't know, what's your experiences as a, as a gay or queer woman? What's your experiences with institutions? Yeah, I mean, same sort of thing, really. It, freelance work for a one-off project, and it might be, you know, Pride Month, and I get a, a little a little project in a school, and, you know, the goal is to write a, a song that is, uh, you know, sort of almost like an anthem for LGBT Pride. But that'll be it, you know, it'll be one a little set of sessions and that'll be the outcome uh, and that's it then you know and they've ticked that off their off their list I mean I was quite pleased one of the first projects that we got funded um was back in 2013 now was for a, a songwriting project looking at LGBT themes and one of the schools that took that on in Cardiff was a Catholic school which was you know for me at the time, pretty good progress as none of the other faith schools, you know, they didn't say, you know, we're not touching that with a barge bow because, <laughs> because of the LGBTQ plus content. But that was sort of the, you know, the that was the, sub, the subtext. I mean, you mentioned um, gender a, a bit earlier 
and you know, I know the number of women working in the film film industry in particular reached a historic high in 2019. But of course, men still outnumbered women for, I think it was like one in four key roles or even one in five. <laughs> and um, yeah, I don't know, is, is this, do you see this a lot within, you know, when you're programming your films? When, when you're creating films and, and projects or are you looking for specifically sometimes say a, a black woman to bring on an independent film or does it really just depend on, on what well, films are out there? Looking, at, looking for films to yeah, screen. Yeah, films to screen. Um, I think that's something I even have to think about, the fact mm. that have I, am I programming enough women? Yeah. Am I programming um, enough queer film I have to think about that a lot mm -hmm. because it's very easy to just sort of think oh that's a great film I'm going to screen that because everybody wants to see that yeah, but you're yeah, not yeah. thinking about those other things as well and also you do you want people to come so obviously mm -hmm. you want to screen films that people are going to watch but you also make, want to make sure that you're doing your job properly mm -hmm. and if you're doing your job properly then you'll find really brilliant films yeah, by yeah. um uh, uh, women and by you know queer women or gay women, trans women, you you will find you'll find that work out there. But it is it is a, something that I have to really make sure I have to sit back sometimes and think. Hang on, you know, mm. am, am I doing this well? Am I doing this properly? Mm -hmm. Luckily, because there is so much talent about, it's not that hard. Really, mm. it's really not hard. Yeah, I mean, I used to love the um, Iris Film Festival that used to come to a um, chapter arts, but but even with that, you know the, you know when you're thinking of the whole program, the amount of content that was mainly gay men related, which is great, and you know it's so I'm I, you know I'm really proud that 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 platform was there for these stories to be told, um, but yeah, just. You know, you'd get very excited about the odd lesbian film that was that was there, yeah. And that was the thing that I, when I first started to um, program films by lesbian um, filmmakers and really think about it, um, I was kind of encouraged in a way not to, and I don't mean it in a bad way, but I can remember a friend of mine um, who's gay who said to me, oh, Yvonne, we've got so little of our own. We don't mm. really, we don't feel like we want to share these wonderful films with a straight audience. We feel like we need them in our community yeah. so that we can nurture them and that we can talk. And I thought, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, it was around about a time when the film Pariah came out by a, a filmmaker called Dee Rees, who's fantastic. I think she's yeah. even been to Cardiff and I think she may well have been, it may have been into, uh, as part of... Um, uh, the Iris Iris Film Festival, and yeah. I think she actually made a short film while she was down there as well. So, um, yeah, she did. Mm -hmm. So, so um, yeah, she she's an amazing filmmaker. But it was interesting that you know uh, that was that was what was um, you know said to me at the time. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, and I could I could see it. I could see what she was saying. You know. Sometimes it is a question like you don't want all your work sort of like commercialised, you know, you yeah. need something that you can actually call your own, you know. Yeah.
heartbreak opens onto the sunrise, for even breaking is opening, and I am broken, I am open. See the love shine in through my cracks, see the light shine out through me. My spirit takes journey, my spirit takes flight, and I am not running, I am choosing. I know for homecoming that I'd want to go with Craig. And who are you going to go with, Lee? I'm not going. What do you mean you're not going? If she doesn't want to go, she doesn't have to go. For some reason, Lee just doesn't like anything I pick out for her anymore. You look beautiful, baby. This isn't me. There's this new uh, women's club up there by the liquor store. You haven't heard anything about it, right? I, I never even heard of it. What if, say, somebody liked you? What if the person is kind of like a friend, but you know they like you more than that? I told you, I talked to Alike, everything's fine. Did you ask her? No, because I don't have to. You don't want to face the fact. No, no that's not true. Look, the daughter is turning into a damn man right no, in front of your eyes, and you want I'm broken. I am broken open. Breaking is freeing. Broken is freedom. I am not broken. I'm free. So is there a, a particular film that has uh, impacted you and left a mark or even maybe a, a, a director or... or um? Film uh, like, in, like in recent times or just well, in general in general yeah in general oh um there's so many brilliant films out there that i've loved over the years or you know that i really love um I don't think there's, a, there's not a film that I think about at the moment. There's so many, because there's just simply because there's so much, yeah. you know. But um, I think I love, is it Michaela Cole's work? Actually, the, the girl who did my, I, I May Destroy mm. You. They're watching our favourite German TV show. Science. Animation at, at the, the same, same time. time. Oh, how'd you get that? Can't remember. I listen to the sounds and I follow the beats again. All white walls, I see all white walls. How'd you smash your phone? I don't know. How did last night end? Cybers, <sighs> man down, police on the move again. Flashbacks. Yeah, I see him a bit. My friend is stressed. Listen to her talk. Make her feel good. Better talk when he's talk. Let's talk TikTok. Surround yourself with people who affirm you. Are you gonna miss me? Don't like this sort of conversation. Are we boyfriend and girlfriend? Could you say yes? It wouldn't be a conversation. Is there a reason why you haven't told him about the assault? He's an Italian drug lord. I really loved what she she's doing. I really like what she's doing because I think she's really trying to, you know, 
break break down that. I hope there's not hundreds of people who will make end up making films just like her. Mm-hmm. But I love that she just has made something very different from what we're used to seeing. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I don't know who's um that's the thing about um film and television. There's just so me- there's so much, you know, there's so much that I'm looking forward to seeing that I haven't seen uh, yet. And there's there's just such a lot of um, um, film. I mean, I'm all, I, I always have to go back to filmmakers, African filmmakers that inspired me to begin with. Um, people like Osman Semben made a film called Mulade many, many years ago, which was about uh, female um mutilation mm. um, and even though it's a really heavy subject the color it was in you know it's an African film and the color is just fantastic you know and the women are fantastic actresses in in the film as well <laughs> think what else is is has though yeah that's the kind of thing I was even thinking the other day how much I really loved um um Spike Lee's film Do the Right Thing and again because the color was right you know for the yeah. first time we started to see black people the way they actually look yeah you know and yeah. we saw really really bright oranges and bright reds and everything mm. was just really bright and the the soundtrack was really brilliant you know and everything about it just felt like so now mm. you know and we were going through a lot of tension anyway in society at that time both on both sides um of the pond so i remember like that huge feeling of you know, this is film is now becoming accessible to me. It's not just something I can watch, it's really something I can do. Yeah. Ooh, we. It's gonna be a scorcher today. Universal Pictures presents a new film from Spike Lee. Good morning, Miss Mother Sister. Now, Mookie, don't work too hard today. The man says it's going to be hot as the devil. I've been here 25 years. LaSalle's famous pizzeria is here to stay. Trust me. Mookie, the last time I trusted you, we ended up with a son. I know you can't stand it. You can't stand it. Hey, Sal, I'm going to burst on the wall here. You want brothers on the wall? Love. Get your own place, you can do what you want to do. What I tell you about that noise? What I tell you about that picture? You call some brother talk to him. You the man. No, you the man. No, you the man. No, you the man. The first time you turn your back, boom. Right here, man, in the back. Y'all take a chill. You like to sign a petition to boycott Tao's famous pizzeria? Hear me, what you ought to do is boycott that no good barber that messed up your head. And that's the double truth. Um, as 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 far as um 
uh, black women filmmakers are concerned. I've always loved the work of Maureen Blackwood. She's mm -hmm. a um, independent filmmaker who probably made a handful of films and then went into retirement and never made another film again. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Do you know what I mean? To be brilliant and then just go, right, that's it. Yeah. Anymore. <laughs> and um, I'm always going to love Campbell X's films. I, I, I loved um, her, you know, finding, because I didn't know her. I know her now and I've screened her films, but I, when, when I first knew of her, it was through doing research at the BFI and then finding her films and thinking, wow, you know, is this a real person? Is she really mm. like in London, like working and making films? So yeah, that that's always been always going to be an excitement for me. And I'm always interested in and interested in what she's going to do next. And um, very much a big fan. Um, oh, what? Not the liberal. That's Seb, my brethren. Am I so tight with a gay man? Well, if I was tight with a femme, it might get kind of complicated. Wait to fall off. Can't be full talk. No, Seb. Brother, I'm so sorry. We can get it started. You don't like L, do you? No, furthermore, you can't stand seeing somebody. Uh, no, she's not right for you. Elle, he's luscious. All you got to do, tell me what to do. Call me on the phone. Elle, no, hang on, mate. You told me to tell you if I thought you were going after someone who is bad. Oh, no, hang on, brother. I am not your fucking slave. What is true love? How do you know when you found it? But I need your today. Yeah, I guess it. Kathleen Collins, again, made one film um, and did lots of writing and died very young, you know. So that's the kind of thing that I really like, you know, things that are slightly underneath the radar, but have said so much mm. or spoke so much to me. And I really, I really felt like these women were making films for me. Julie Dash, Daughters of the Dust, is a classic um, independent film. Again, she she's made a few films. Um, uh, Francis Solomon, Francis Anne Solomon, made a film recently called Hero: um, The uh, Extraordinary Life of Ulrich Cross. Um, and I'm working with her now doing some programming for the festival, but she has got a unique way of blending uh, contemporary and archive film and mm -hmm. telling um, the history of um, Black and African Caribbean people from a perspective that not very many people know about. So, yeah, yeah that's the kind of thing I like. Have you sort of noticed a, a decline of, of work coming in because of the pandemic or is it really not sort of slowed down um, um I mean I'm thinking me as a as a sort of writer and songwriter I've actually been so productive <laughs> during the pandemic, well, the pandemic you know, you know sort of recording yeah. recording recording material during that you know 18 months than ever before really um and have you noticed any sort of shift in films being films made, being made out, and there? out there I think there's still films being made out there. 
I think there's probably a slowing down of indie films being made. Mm. I haven't seen a fantastic British film come out from a black filmmaker in the last three or four years. Yeah. Uh, not no, two or three years, let's be mm -hmm. fair. Um, and and I, I, that probably has got something to do with the pandemic for sure. And I mean, I think it has, even though it's been able to continue, because I mean, mm. I, I made a film during the pandemic, which was ironic because I didn't make one for years before. Yeah. Um, so um, that in itself is 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 um, exciting for me because it's it's brought me back, if you like. Yeah. But. Um, yeah, I think that I think there's definitely a slowing down, um, and there's definitely going to be it's going to be interesting for these things to come back. Theatre as well, mm. because obviously film and theatre they're quite similar in, in some ways, um, and 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 we haven't had much theatre, have we? We haven't no. had hardly anything. So it'd be great to see over the next couple of years, you know when we get into the mid twenties onwards to see what, how art comes back and how it evolves, if you like, in the yeah. face of a, a pandemic. But the one thing I, I have been able to do because I've what, um, been programming for um, the Windrush Film Festival, I've been connecting with um, Caribbeans in the Caribbean who are making film. So I've been able to watch lots and lots of um, short films that were made in the Caribbean from yeah. independent filmmakers. So for me, it's been a bit of a learning experience and, and really nice and mm -hmm. interesting and exciting um, time to do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, definitely. So have you got, you know, I guess finally, have you got anything to, to plug, anything coming up? that you haven't already mentioned? Yeah, sure. Um, uh, so I finished doing uh, the Windrush Caribbean Film Festival, which took place at the Riverfront, which went fairly well. Mm -hmm. um, there are one or two things that I hope I will improve on as time goes by. Um, and we are getting ready. We're just doing all the evaluation now. It was funded by Cymru, Film Cymru Wales and partnership with the Riverfront and Urban Circle. So we and the um, Windrush Caribbean Film Festival, which is, I would say, international or transnational, however you want to look at that. Um, and um, moving forward, uh, we are... Um, already planning the next one for 2023 so that's really exciting so we've got at least we've got off the off the ground with that so I'm really looking at how I can uh, improve on that and make that a much more positive and exciting experience I mean it is already but much more so that it reaches the four corners of the globe and also that we don't get caught up because the thing is about the Windrush experience this whole idea of Windrush is a uh, boat came over in 1948, people came here, and the kind of Windrush period is kind of locked into from 1948 to 1971, when in truth Caribbean people were here way before then. Mm. And, we'll, and I, I'll continue to, you know, come and go uh, pro, I don't know, post-1971. So we have to be careful that we don't lock, you know, a whole... Uh, well, generations of people just into one particular segment of history. I wouldn't like people to to get 
caught up in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think because of the Windrush scandal yeah. and a lot of the work that has been done since the scandal, it's very easy now for people to think about Caribbeans as being these people who came to England to do all the kind of jobs that were available because we had lost so many in Europe anyway, lots of men. Uh, and they were, you know, we needed... Uh, people to come over here to do these jobs to work on British Rail or mm-hmm. on the buses or you know in factories and things like that and that's it. So I, you know that is something that I'm very clear that I want people to understand that Windrush is a theme, but it's not it's not everything there is about uh, mm-hmm. the Caribbean people. And I want to make sure I'm always um, expressing that in the films I show as well um, in the festival. Um, which I think I, I do very well if, if that, yeah, that's something that I think I am very good at. So that's something that I'm doing, um, at the moment. I'm also talking to, um, another organization about doing something which is much more about world cinema and looking at some of the issues that we're dealing with, um, in terms of creating a global family for people in Wales, reaching out to local people around the world and vice versa. So we have world cinema that deals with, deal with issues like love mm-hmm. as a revolutionary, uh, tool, uh, as a resistance to, um, some of the kind of hate that's going on as a resistance, perhaps even to, to, um, barriers that are, have been put up, um, uh, you know, in, in, in sort of countries, you know, travel barriers that we now have. Yeah. And, uh, you know, borders. I mm. think that's the word I was looking for. These kind of borders, you know, that can trans- transcend borders, you know, can transcend all of these things that are stopping us from communicating or trying to stop us from communicating with each other in a really clear and loving way. So um, I, I, I am hoping that we can use cinema in a much more uh, vital way, you know, in a very kind of uh, exciting way uh, that we can reach young people and, and we can reach all people. We can be intergenerational by dealing with all of these human stories that we all know are out there that aren't necessarily the commercial stories that we see every day on TV um, or... Yeah, just on TV or even at the cinema. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's something that I'm working on at the moment. I'm still working on my PhD, which I'm sure I've told you about. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I won't go on, on, on too much about that. Um, yeah, and, and writing, continuing to write about film, to continue writing about culture, um, Welsh culture, you know, black culture world culture mm. still still doing that kind of work yeah that's that's about it for the time being i think oh well thank you so much yvonne thank you for coming on the podcast well thanks Nancy. yeah thank you all right cheers then Bye bye. Join me next time when I interview David Richards. David is a retired auditor turned substitute teacher. He has cerebral palsy and would like to talk about his lifelong disability and the trials and tribulations that come with it. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.